Welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Ben Shalati. And I'm Charlie Bird. Each episode, we discuss a question we commonly get asked as LGBTQ plus Latter-day Saints. We're not trying to answer this question or come to a consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, what if I'm feeling totally and completely devastated? And this question was submitted by a listener, Ben S. in Provo, Utah. <laughs> ben and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we both... <laughs> We both cried in our offices this week. <laughs> well, okay, actually, um, we cried for different reasons. That's the difference. But I, mine was a few weeks ago. Oh, I really? Cried. Yeah, I didn't cry this week. Um, and yeah. you, want, you want to talk about it? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I actually feel like really heavy about this. But uh, this question like wasn't actually submitted. I I wrote the question, but I feel like it represents a lot of the questions that we do get submitted. Like, like what if I'm still sad? Like, what if I'm not okay with who I am? Like, what if I don't know how to move forward? Like, what if I'm crushed by this thing that happened? And I just kind of want to talk about how I've been feeling. Yeah. Great. Well, let's jump into it. (laughs) How you been feeling? You know, we probably should have recorded this a couple weeks ago when I was feeling totally and completely devastated. Yeah. Right now I'm feeling really good. Um, But... (laughs) But it's been a rough few weeks. It really has been super rough. Should I tell you why I cried in my office? I would love to know. There's there's a lot of backstory. So I haven't liked someone for a really long time. Uh, like a really long time. And I just like forgot what it was like to like somebody. Like to actually want to date somebody. And there's this guy, Mark. And I'll just like tell you who he is. You met him, so you know who he is. <laughs> um, but when I was 23 and in the closet, I read all these blogs by um, closeted LGBTQ Larry Saints. And and it was really helpful for me to have a community, even though it was like all anonymous. And one of those blogs was written by Mark. And his was actually my favorite. And I really loved it. And it really helped me through a really tough time. And he later like shared his picture and who he was. And then he stopped posting. And then a number of years passed. And when I was 30, I came out to a friend uh, in Tucson. Uh, who I just met, and he said, I would love to set you up with my friend uh, back in Florida. And I was like, I don't want to be set up with your friend, but uh, but thank you. Uh, and then he showed me his picture, and it was Mark. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to date him, but I do want to meet him. And so he gave me Mark's number, and we texted a bit. Um, and then a few months later, he was going to be in, in Phoenix uh, for work, and I lived in Tucson at the time. And he came down to Tucson and spent the weekend and we had a good time and like things with Jordan had just ended. So I was like an emotional mess. On the rebound. I know, yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't like hoping for anything romantic and nothing romantic happened. Uh, but he was like, besides Jordan, he was the first person I got to talk to about like being gay in the church who like actually got who, what it was understood, like. Yeah. And that was like so healing for me. It just like gave me all the strength. And then a couple months later, I came out publicly. Like it really propelled me to be able to to do, like, like live my life in the way that, that that was right for me. Like he gave me a lot of courage. It sounds like he was really integral to your story. Yeah. 100%. Um, and then he left and we didn't really maintain a presence in each other's lives. Like we would text every once in a while and, uh, but not a ton. And so I didn't think about him a ton. And what was it like? Just curious. What was it like for him? Cause he probably didn't know that you were reading his blog. Like you were just this random person who'd been reading his blog yeah. years prior. What was it like when you told him how much he'd helped you? Uh, you know, I don't know, but I'm guessing probably gratifying and probably made him feel good. You haven't talked about that? <laughs> I, I, I was like, how did you feel about this thing that happened 15 okay. years ago? You know, <laughs> it was a long time. Like it was 15 years ago. Yeah, it was a super a long, long time. time. So you've known him for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been a presence in my life for a long time and yeah. like an important one, mm-hmm. uh, but like not an active presence. Um, and then, uh, he helped pay for the first live event, 
Um, and then I told him he should fly out for the second live event, and he did. And so he was here for a weekend in Provo, and we had a good time. Like I had like no romantic intentions or anything. And then suddenly I had a crush on him, and it felt like he had a crush on me too. Okay. It- yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty like suddenly you just all of a sudden had a crush on him this is out what, of nowhere this is what happened I, I was super stressed about the live events uh, I don't know why like that day I was just like so stressed but I was super stressed no I know why it was because I was, wanted to talk about some of the controversy that had happened since surrounding my crush yeah <laughs> And, and so there were some things I wanted to address and like wanted to make sure I dressed it okay. And like in a way that was, that was like authentic and real, but also like, I'm talking about my job, but like in not a job setting. So I wanted to just, yeah. so I was nervous about that. And so Mark was just like su- super helpful. He ran some errands for me that day. He like walked over to my office and like walked me home and like told me how great I was going to do. Then he could tell how nervous I was. And so as we, as we drove to the live event, he would just like put on a song he knew I'd like and we sang along to it. And what was the song? <laughs> You're too young, but it was this, it's from this church album called Come to the House of the Lord. <laughs> sing it? No, I will not sing it. <laughs> but it was like, like when we were teenagers, it was like super big. Like it was really popular. Yeah. Uh, but you wouldn't know because you were super young. And like that's another thing. Like you, like you're great and we get along super well, but you don't know what it was like to be gay 10 years earlier. Yeah. And but I do. And, and Mark does. And after he left, I actually like, I hadn't looked at his blog in years. So I looked it up and found it, like reread it. And I found all these other blogs I read. And it was like, it was like finding all these old friends, yeah, like all these people I hadn't just like thought about in years. And, and, um, and that was really nice. And I, I forgot like back then, uh, gay members of church call themselves mohos for Mormon homosexual. <laughs> I like totally forgot about that. That did not age well. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> also the word mo'o with like the silent h in spanish means mold yeah so anyway uh, but yeah I, I was like oh my gosh the word mo'o i totally forgot about that and it's like all these things that were like so much a part of my life i just like had forgotten about and like mm-hmm. mark knows about all this and um so i think he was just like so nice and so helpful and i offered to give him a shout out for helping pay for the second live event at the live event he was like no i don't want anyone to know uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you just did though. Okay, well, fine. Yeah, <laughs> money bags, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then he just like sat in the back by himself. You know, just was he didn't. You know, and it was just like really nice that he was there. And then he waited for over an hour while I signed books and met people. And then he helped me carry stuff to the car, and we came home. Yeah. And so his support kind of tapped into something. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've got like a lot of people in my life I care about, like lots of close friends. You know, I've got you, I've, I've got Charlotte, I've got, I've got tons of people who care about me. Um, but what I don't have is like a best friend, you know, someone who like, it doesn't matter what you do. You're just like going to do the thing together. Mm-hmm. And I felt like Mark was that that week, mm-hmm. just like this person that I just kind of missed having in my life. Like yeah. this, there's like this slot in my life of like the person you just do things with that hadn't been filled and it was like that weekend he kind of filled that i'm interested that you said best friend mm-hmm. why um because it sounds like i mean you have a crush on Mar- you meant boyfriend yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i'm not looking for a boyfriend right and so i, I guess i'm just to get, like if we're digging into it let's dig if that's okay yeah but i, I mean and this is something we've talked about before how like you like feel like called to live a certain way and you have like this, this life path. And so in order to like, I guess make that easier and kind of like shore up that I, I, I see you do this a lot, honestly, like put 
space there. Like rather than saying, I want a boyfriend, you're saying, I want a best friend. Yeah. Just to like get yourself as far away from that emotion as possible because the emotion hurts. Yeah. I'm, I'm protecting myself. It's a defense mechanism. Yeah. So I don't know if it's healthy or unhealthy, but. Well, it reminds me of a couple of weeks ago um, when you were saying that like you wish like that the best orientation was when <laughs> was you don't demisexual because because you, you're not attracted to anyone initially until after you know their personality. Yeah. Um, and again, I kind of I saw it there as like. That's just like shaming yourself for being attracted to people. Yeah. And 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 thank you for like bringing that up. So yeah. to me, that is not to like call you out. No, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you did. So to me, it doesn't feel like like a shame, like shame about my orientation. Actually, when we were done with the episode, I like I wish we had dug into it there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's shame. I think it's like self protection because it's easier for me to live a life where I'm not where I'm not into anybody. Mm-hmm. Like it's easier for me not to have a real crush. Do you think that those protections, which I. Like, I'm not saying that's that's bad. I'm just something I've noticed in you. But do you think that pulls you away from connecting with the actual feeling? Like, yeah. that, that that vulnerable space? Yeah, but that, that's uh, the point. Like, okay. I'm, I'm trying not to connect with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to actually like anybody yeah. in that way. So, it, so And I, it sounds like Mark kind of burst through those. Yes. Yeah. And that, that, that's precisely what happened. Yeah. And so suddenly I really liked this guy. And like that I, makes sense too with like the suddenly because you were like, I didn't like him at all. And then all of a sudden I had a crush. <laughs> but it sounds like you did like him. But all of a sudden he like burst through all those like all that padding. Yeah. And, and I'd like to think I'm a pretty like self-aware person. I, I really, think you are too. I, I realize people who say they're self-aware probably are like the least self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very humble. I'm very self-aware. Um, but before Mark came to Utah, we don't ever talked on the phone twice. Like once before he came to Arizona and then once before he came here. So you didn't know him that well. And we like texted, but like, yeah, we weren't like buddy, buddy. Yeah. Um, and so we talked on the phone for like 45 minutes before he came. And when he got off the phone, I was like, I remember thinking, I wish we had kept talking. Yeah, like I not I wasn't done with that conversation, and I don't usually feel that way, you know. Just was not what I was used to feeling. What were the good things about that feeling? Um, you know, I I have a lot of people in my life. Like I said, like people, like I could have dinner at someone's house every night who'd be like thrilled to be there, like a different person every day of the month. They'd be like thrilled I was there. And I love those times. They're really fun. And we connect and it's great. Uh, but then I leave and it's like, you know, they have their life and I have my life. And this mm-hmm. feeling was like, was I want this person to be part of my life. Mm-hmm. And that was a good thing. That was a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what was hard about it? Because then you have to make a choice. And it's easier to make a choice when you don't have a, when there aren't two things you really want. When there's not an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about that. <laughs> Well, can I just tell a little more of the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I actually have my journal right here. So, <laughs> your diary. <laughs> so, so, I always imagined it with like a little lock and key. Well, there's a strap here. I'm going to get you a diary with a lock and key. <laughs> no. Okay, so I wrote this on, on the day Mark left. Okay. And, and so, Mark would always like, Mark is really hard to read. Uh, I, I felt like it was like hard to know like when he was joking. Any, anyway, um, so he would often joke about us like just driving to Vegas. Is Mark okay with you saying all this stuff? Yeah, I checked with him. Okay, just for anyone worried about Mark right now. <laughs> yeah, no, he's okay with it. <laughs> like we're using his real name. He also has like a super generic last name, so he'd be hard to find. Um, anyway, 
Yeah. Oh, so he he was joking about us like driving to Vegas and getting married, and I was like, surely he was kidding. So I wrote this on on, on the night he left. Um, so I wrote, when Mark has his walls down, he's pretty remarkable. And I underlined Mark and, and remarkable because I'm punny in my journal. Even <laughs> uh, I asked him if he really wanted to marry me or if he was just joking. He said, "I'd like to get to know you better. I feel the same way, and it sucks that we live in a world where us dating isn't even an option for me. I super wanted to kiss him tonight, but I didn't." Mark and I definitely need to learn to communicate better, but I think if we worked on things, we could have a really lovely relationship, but we, but we won't get to know. So Mark is leaving tomorrow and I have a crush on him and he might have a crush on me. And I also think he's super rude and annoying from time to time. Is that what love is? <laughs> and I mean, you can see like the conflict here and honestly, it's been so long since there's someone I've, like, I've wanted to kiss and I have crushes on people all the time. But they're just like, they're not real things. Like, oh, that person's cute and cool. I like spending time with them. Yeah. But not like I want to have a relationship with them. And when Mark left, I was like, I want to try having a relationship with this person. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I wanted to marry him. Because uh, I don't know what how things would turn out or what they would look like. But I just wanted to try. And just like the fact that I couldn't try was incredibly painful. You talk about it as if there's not another option. So because of the choices I've made, there isn't another option. And so... I, I speak at, like I present in classes at BYU all the time and give firesides and stuff. And, and people often ask me, you know, what it's like that I can't date because I work at BYU. Mm-hmm. And what I always say, and I mean this, is I'm not dating because I work at BYU. I'm not dating because I have felt like that's not the right path for me. Mm-hmm. And I mean that. Like it's not because of rules or restrictions at BYU. It's because of like what I, how I felt prompted to live my life. In that moment when I didn't kiss Mark, it wasn't because I felt like I wasn't supposed to. It was because of the commitments I'd made to the university. Mm. And, and that was really painful. That is uh, painful. So, so a few days later, I was driving to St. George for the weekend, and I talked to Mark on the phone for like an hour and a half. And it was great. I would have happily talked to him for a lot longer. But I realized I was treating him like someone I was trying to date. Like, like it was flirty. It was fun. And I mean, like I always am. <laughs> <laughs> And then that was Friday. And then Saturday, I did, we didn't talk on the phone, but we did text. And I just like had this feeling like, like I, I can't be romantic with this person. Like, because of? No, I, and I don't, I, I mean, I, I've thought of this. And I don't think it was because of BYU. I really think it was because I don't think a relationship with us is the right thing right now. Mm-hmm. And so that whole day, I just kept feeling like, I really like Mark, but I don't think I should be treating him like someone I want to date, but just treating him like a good friend. And so I had that realization on Saturday. Then on Sunday, I, I drove home and I called him again and, and I told him all this. I was like, Mark, I just really feel like you and I should just be friends and, and um, I don't want this to be romantic. And, and then after sharing all of my feelings, and I love talking about my feelings, and Mark does not. And I said, so what are your feelings about my feelings? And he said, oh, my feelings are usually just a jumbled mess. And I said, well, could you try? And then he just said, I'm sad. And that super sucked because I didn't want to make him sad. Like I hadn't planned on any, on doing this. Like I hadn't planned on making anyone sad. I hadn't planned on liking someone and then, and then kind of pushing it forward a little bit romantically. Like that hadn't ever been the plan. Just like it happened. Mm -hmm. And then when I got home, I pulled out a copy of my book and read the, reread the chapter about Jordan. And I was like, shoot, I'm doing it again. Like I'm like, I'm trying, I'm putting a person in a place where, I want to like have them in my life romantically, but like not really romantically and not really a date, but just like have them in my life. And, and I just like remembered how unfair that was to Jordan. I was like, I don't want to do this to somebody else. 
Like, I, I don't want to do this to someone else. But at the same time, like, like that is what I want. Like, I want to be able to just, like, pursue a relationship. And so I just, I just like, felt really trapped. Yeah. And also just upset with myself for letting that happen. But, like, it, I hadn't meant to. It just had kind of unfolded. Yeah, natural. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the crux of the conflict. Yeah. and, and You felt it. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that was hard for me was it just been, I had, like, you know, I wrote a whole chapter in my book about Jordan and, like, had this, like, really like these intense feelings for him but that was that was like eight years ago now that was a long time ago and i thought i remembered what it was like to be in that space and i forgot i totally forgot what it was like to really want to date someone and it's like a reality check yeah and and one of the things i felt was i just like felt so bad for how i treated you (laughs) honestly (laughs) because uh, i was like why do you have to date ryan like just get over it you know and i forgot what it was like to be in that place yeah it's not simple mm-hmm. there's nothing simple about it yeah um thanks yeah <laughs> I, i'm interested in this like i just kind of want to explore this more because like this is it like this is the conflict and it and you, you were saying like i i can't because of like because of the way my life is i can't and i guess it's just interesting because like and, and I think what you're trying to say is like in order to keep all these really valuable things you love about your life, the university you're working at, the religion that you're so invested in and like you like, I mean, like it's the giving up part, right? Mm-hmm. It's like what has to be given up because like you could, right? Like your, your choices up to now don't mean you can't date Mark, right? Like, but like if I- you want to keep the life you have then you can't date Mark. Yeah. And that's where it sucks. Yeah. Because like, I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone feels that it's like, I believe in the gospel. I'm committed to the gospel. I love Christ. I love the church. I love serving. I love having a calling. I love going into the temple and I love a man. Mm -hmm. And what's so wrong because it feels so natural. It feels so right. Yeah. And and like you're right, like I could leave BYU. I'm very employable. I would have no trouble. I have enough money saved up. I could just like go live with my dad if I wanted to, you know. And I would be just fine. Like I don't need to do any of the things I'm doing. I love that you say, go live with your dad. Oh, <laughs> he would love Instead that. Instead of like, go live with Mark. <laughs> I don't want to move to the East Coast. <laughs> and my dad needs me more than Mark does. Um, anyway, um, but like I'm not. I don't like. I don't feel tr- like I. I like I've made choices that i like i like the choices i've made yeah so i don't feel like i'm trapped in that way but it's like like you said it's because of you know i like the life i have but i also just wish there were other parts that i could add to it as well mm-hmm. and around this time this this was just like so random so charlotte and i we read the scriptures together most nights you know i talked to her every day and she was just like in the laundry room doing laundry and out of nowhere like this was like last week she just said Ben, will you promise me something? And I said, what, Charlotte? And she said, when you get married, will you get married in this house? And I said, it just like came out of nowhere. That's so sweet. And I was like, of course, Charlotte, I would love to get married here. And she just like went through like all the things we could do to like, and she didn't know, still doesn't know about any of this. Like she doesn't know about, she met Mark, but she like doesn't know any of this was happening. 
Um, because Charlotte tries to fix problems. I like didn't want to tell her my problems because <laughs> then she'd just try and fix them. Um, and uh, and I said, Well, what if I marry a man, Charlotte? And she said, Well, of course you'd marry a man. <laughs> and I said, Well, what if I marry a woman? And she said, Well, it's your choice. You live the life you want to live. And then she was going through um like she was like talking about how, well, the food she would make. I was like, Charlotte, I don't want you to make food. Like we could cater it or something. <laughs> and and uh, and she said, No, but that's half the fun, you know, making the food for someone you love. And um, like I really just have so many people in my life who just love me and care about me and and just want to make me happy. So, um, so I had that conversation with, with Mark on Sunday, and then I reread that chapter about Jordan on Sunday night, and then Monday rolled around, and I just started to fall apart emotionally, and then Tuesday was the day I cried in my office. Yeah, um, and I, I remember seeing you on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> are you okay then and i was you not weren't. I, I, you I, weren't okay. I was not okay um and what had happened was um like i'm not pushing away my feelings you know i'm like living a real life with my feelings um but what happened was all these feelings i had felt before that i just like hadn't felt in a long time they just all came back flooded. and what was that flooded yeah yeah and i just felt like like anger in my situation i felt sadness that i i couldn't do what i wanted to do i felt misunderstood like i talked to some straight friends about what was going on and like they just like didn't get it and i was like how do you not get this like you know me and uh and i just it was just like all these feelings of like maybe i don't fit like is there a place for me in the church like maybe maybe i can't do this anymore and am i doing life all wrong and then i was like should i marry a woman like is that the right thing and just like like ten years of like things just like kind of like came out, mm-hmm. and and my, my office has like a little corner that you can't see the from like the window in my office door. And I just like sat in that corner and just cried for a few minutes. So like if anyone peeked in, they wouldn't see me. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was really hard. And then I don't know if I texted you or you texted me, but you came by my office like an hour later and yeah. really made me feel better. And I was like, I got to go to the temple today. Do you want to so, know the truth? Yeah. I just had like this gut feeling. I was like, you need to talk to Ben, which was really nice. And it was totally the spirit. But I was like, I, I need to talk to Ben. So I just left work. Well, thank you. I mean, I need like you were the only thing that made me feel good, like up to that point in that day. Like, I just really needed you that day. Yeah. And it and seems then, like you're emotional right now. Yeah. I just like, I just don't know why I'm so lucky, you know, that like God would care about me enough to just like inspire you to come talk to me. Because so he loves you. Yeah. And you do too. And I just like feel so lucky that you love me. Uh, I do love you, but like, I don't know. I guess that's just a testament that like God sees every sad gay kid who's crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he does. He does. Mm-hmm. And then that night you and I and Ryan went to the temple and that just like started to like piece together the broken parts of me. Yeah. And I had been unkind to some people the day before and I made some apologies and I was like, I'm ready to move on and, um, and be okay. And, uh, yeah. And it's, I, I felt a lot better since that day. Um, but the conflict still just kind of like bubble up every now and then. Like I feel pretty settled now. Um, but it was, it was rough and I just like forgot and I can't believe I forgot those emotions and, 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 and the the part that was like really hard for me just like was realizing that sometime I have been dismissive of people who are going through that because I was like, oh, I made it through like you should be fine too. Yeah. And that's not usually how I feel, 
but I think that that's sometimes how it comes off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I just like feel so bad that I would ever do that. Cause it was like when I was like those few days where I was like in those like tense moments, like it was really hard. Yeah. And, um, I don't usually sit in the corner of my office and cry. Usually I just sit in my chair. <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, it makes sense though. Cause like you were talking about like these protective factors and, and it is so much more comfortable when there's not the choice or, or the choice feels settled. Right. When that conflict isn't like at the forefront and you're in this tension. Um, and I remember after, um, like, a, like, a I don't know how many months or how much time before I came out publicly, um, like I decided to stop dating. I was just like, eh, I don't want to date guys right now anymore. It just didn't feel like it was right for my life. Um, and then I wasn't and everything got easier because it like, I was like, really felt like I shouldn't. And so that conflict kind of moved away and I had like the best two years, the best two years (laughs) after that, because I was just like, I know exactly where I'm supposed to be focused. I'm single. I'm confident in my singleness. Um, and like, I was fine with like, um, and, and I, and I fully expected to like cross that bridge again to where like, okay, like, dating you know but in at that moment i just like didn't want to like sincerely didn't want to and it was so much easier and then once i fell for ryan i was like oh shoot crap and it was like whoa and but it's so much more comfortable right and and you'd been in that space for a really really long time i'd been in like such a comfortable space for so long and and i think also it just makes sense that people like us in this situation would like I was saying, pat ourselves into that comfortable space because Mm -hmm. it's so devastating to live in the middle. Mm -hmm. Like it's so hard. And so it makes sense to me that, that like even like being dismissive of somebody else, like, cause if you, cause if you go there with them, you have to go there with yourself too. Mm -hmm. So why would you want to do that? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if I said that the most beautiful way, but definitely. And you know, and I don't, the, the the imagery that, that I keep thinking of, and when we were in the celestial room in the temple, like I pulled out a scripture, like, what is this about? <laughs> like, uh, uh, then was really vibing with the scripture, and I was like, uh, cool. But but I was like really resonating with the story of 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 Moses in Exodus seventeen, where um they get to there's there's no water, and then Moses is commanded by God to like hit the like hit this rock, and then water comes out, mm-hmm. and you know striking that rock was like a violent act. You know, it's not like he hit it hard and then it cracked open mm-hmm. and this water came out. And so I was lo- in the slush room. I was looking up like the um, references to, to that story in other places in the in the scriptures. And I showed you one. You're like, what is this about? And I found another one that I liked more. I was just but that's what it felt like happened to me. It felt like I was like struck, like violently struck. And then I cracked open in a like in a painful way. And then that brought forth like water from me that that came in a lot of ways in the in the sense of like compassion for other people mm. and it's like realizing the, the difficulty because i'd forgotten yeah and and so in that in that sense like i feel like this experience was incredibly good for me um and i'd say like this experience like like it's over i like mark is still a person in my life and i i don't imagine my life circumstances changing and i don't imagine stepping away from the church or byu um, and I imagine I'll continue keeping all my commitments and, but I feel like a different person now. Do you feel, well, I'm guessing you're going to like move away emotionally from Mark to, 
to move you back out of this like conflict well i've I've tried to put him back into that like friend box yeah not like person i want to date box but friend box like i felt like i should do when i was in saint george that weekend yeah and so that's what i've tried to do and do you feel like if you were with him it would break out of the box again i don't know i mean he's on the other side of the country Hmm. so i don't know (laughs) but so far we see each other every seven years so i think we'll be okay for a bit yeah you can have another (laughs) crisis in seven years (laughs) Um, but, but w- one of the things that was really hard for me was, uh, uh, you probably haven't seen Miss Saigon. Mm, no, okay. I don't even know what you just said to me. <laughs> oh, there's a play called Miss Saigon. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's by the same people who wrote Les Mis. And it's about this, this Vietnamese woman during the Vietnam War. And she gets, she falls in love with and has a baby with a, a an American GI, mm-hmm. but the GI doesn't know that she's pregnant. And then he, he leaves and she's waiting for him to come back and she keeps having like all these impressions that he's going to come back and life is going to be fine. It's all going to work out. Um, and then I don't want to give away the ending, um, but she ends up like, like sacrificing herself for the good of other people. Um, and her life does not work out the way she expected. And I, and I wondered like, am I Miss Saigon? Like, am I the person who is like, just like feels like I'm getting all these promptings from God and all these like, things happening but i'm like wrong and i'm just gonna end up like giving up my life for the good of someone else mm-hmm. and that was like both beautiful and painful definitely and, well, and it's a really honest thing to share things yeah and and you know what this experience is as i like i like checked all of my beliefs again like do i believe in god do i believe in jesus like do i believe in the restoration like do i believe in the book of mormon and it was like so good for us that day to go to the temple because I was like, okay, th- this this feels real. This feels good to me. And uh, like I haven't seen God, you know, I haven't seen angels, but I feel like whatever is like just below seeing angels, like that's the level of certainty I have when it comes to the restoration. And and I just like don't want to give it up. Uh, but at the same time, I don't remember what night this was, but it was sometime shortly after we went to the temple. I like woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't go to sleep. And it was like three or four in the morning. And so I just like pulled out my phone and pulled up an old seminary video I really liked from like when I was a kid that I hadn't seen since I was like a teenager. And it was like so cheesy and so stupid. <laughs> but I was also like feeling the spirit really strongly. And I was like, because it was just like so beautiful, but also like so dumb and cheesy. And then I just like started crying. And I'm not like a sad crier. I'm like a, this is emotionally moving to me, like a soldier sees a dog, his dog after coming home from war kind of crier. Um, but I was like crying, like really upset tears because I was feeling the realness of this all, like of the restoration. And I didn't want to feel it. Like I just didn't want to be true because it was like causing all this conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, Wanting to be on the other side of that choice. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's, you know, I don't think I cannot believe in the restoration. Right. And so I got to move forward. Yeah. Have you had those moments? Honestly, for me, it just feels like I shouldn't have to choose because I feel like with, with the God side of things, like he just so wholly loves me as gay, like just, but not even gay, just like the whole me, like everything that's in me, like Christ knows and loves. And so like, if I'm focused there, that that dissipates and it works with the restoration. Like, I don't think me being gay, like, doesn't work with the restoration of the gospel. Like, I don't feel that conflict, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. But I often feel like, like I'm aching for some sort of deliverance. Mm-hmm. 
because I, I, I guess that's what I want. Like I, I, cause I, I tried so hard, like flipping back and forth from one to the other for so long and feel like it's either all church or it's no church and that like black and white mentality. But, but for me these days, I'm just like, no, it's like, there has to be something else. There has to be some third creative solution. That's going to solve this tempest and this storm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know if that answers your question or, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, it it it's your experience, so that answers my question. And thank you. Yeah, and it's just interesting. Like, you know, every time I get to this place of, I'd really like to date someone and like have a boyfriend you know, that I might call a best friend, if you will. Um, that I just like keep feeling like that's not the right thing. Yeah, and like I'm willing to do hard things and willing to make sacrifices, um, but it just like always feels like that's not the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess it's like. You know, when you keep like when a child asks a parent for something, they keep like saying no, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. keep like asking. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's me. Yeah. Sometimes I just feel like um, there's this thing I want, but I just keep being told no. And so I just move forward with my life the best way I can. Yeah. Yeah. And and I feel like I'm in a different situation because I know that. Mm -hmm. And I I know the like disappointment that comes from that and the security that comes from that as well. That makes sense. Like asking, should I date? And then getting a no. It's disappointing, Mm -hmm. but it's also like. Yeah, but at least I know, like I can live my best um, life now. And I just feel like I'm in a different space now where I asked and then I got a yes. Uh-huh. And I'm like, <laughs> great. And also, so like not disappointed, but also like life feels very insecure mm-hmm. as far as like relationship with church, really. Yeah. A couple months ago, I was in, in class and um, my professor like... He, he's honestly mean. He like it was a groups class, a group therapy. <laughs> I know who the professor is, and, and, and yeah. he would like try to trigger us on purpose to yeah. like pull out emotion, and then we could like practice doing therapy with real emotions. Um, but anyway, he he displayed this image on the screen, and it's a, a painting by Hans Holbein, and it's called um, "The Body of the Dead Christ in the Tomb." And I, I'd seen like renditions um, of Christ in the Tomb before. And this one, this one is horribly grotesque. It's like, it, it is a decaying corpse that has been beaten and, and just obliterated. And, um, it's very painful to look at. It's very uncomfortable. And I found myself like forcing myself to look because it was so grotesque. Um, and for me, it kind of like, I, I, I mean, it taught me more about, the crucifixion right it was just so because because usually when you think of christ in the tomb it's like oh he's not there and then he's resurrected right right? so like i never i don't think about christ in the tomb really like on the cross and then and then as the resurrected lord but just seeing this image there was so like there was no beauty there was no hope it was just disfiguration and Mm -hmm. i was looking at it and i was thinking about mary magdalene and like seeing him in that state and trying to have hope for a resurrection with this decaying corpse and just how ludicrous it feels. Yeah, and, how and could ha- you believe in that? And how absolutely hopeless. Um, and so <laughs> true to, to form, um, I was having a really like visceral reaction to this image. And my professor was like, Charlie, it looks like you have some emotions. <laughs> tell, tell us what you're feeling, Charlie. <laughs> and I lost it. I just, I just started sobbing. Um, 
which is rare for me. I don't cry that much, I don't think. But I was just thinking, like, that's how I feel right now. And, um, I mean, this is, like, this was probably a couple weeks before, um, I, like, figured out what to do with Ryan and, like, going to the honor code and, like, telling everyone about that. I felt so stuck and I felt so hopeless. And I'm usually a hopeful person, um, but I was like, how on earth is this situation, being a gay member of this church, how could I ever have hope? Because right now, like, this church that I belong to that's supposed to give me life and resurrection feels like a disfigured corpse in a tomb. And it was really, really difficult. And, and it was also hard too, because we had this conversation, like I brought all of this up and there were so many others of like my classmates who were feeling the same thing. And they're like, it just feels so hopeless right now. Mm-hmm. And for different reasons, probably. For dif- well, uh, many of them for the same reason though, mm-hmm. just like not understanding where things are at with LGBTQ issues mm-hmm. um, and feeling like the love of Christ doesn't match what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, I don't know. I, I, so for me, that's my conflict, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right now it's not like I wish, and that's the story I refer to. It's not like I wish that the restoration wasn't true. It's like, can I have faith in a resurrection in, in this sense of like, is there deliverance from the situation? Mm-hmm. Because this is a question that weighs on my heart and yours and everybody else's who's in this position or has a loved one there. Mm-hmm. If, if they center in this conflict, it's heavy. And I just like, where do we draw hope for this resurrection? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And so I, Thank you for sharing that, Charlie. And and I wanted to record today. You and I weren't like super feeling like recording earlier, but I wanted to record today because it's Easter. Easter's tomorrow, and today is known as Holy Saturday. And there's this quote I've been thinking about all day that I just really wanted to share. And this is from um, Deidre Green's book, uh, Jacob: A Brief Theological Introduction. Uh, is it okay if I share it? Yeah. Yeah. She says. Uh, some Christian theologians assert that believers often move too quickly from the crucifixion to the resurrection without adequately appreciating all that can be gleaned by reflecting upon the absence and uncertainty of what lies between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. The in, uh, the in-between symbolized in Holy Saturday. By reviewing the duration of Christ's death, we witness and embrace loss that has not yet found resolution. And just like words that stand out to me here are, are absence and uncertainty and loss. Loss that, without resolution. Yeah. And... So I want to talk about this on Holy Saturday because this is honestly how it feels like to me. Like it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm like amazed because I've never told you that story. <laughs> and and so I'm just like feeling, yeah, that is cool. Um, <laughs> but I'm just like feeling like this is like a Holy Saturday. And I love that like it's called Holy Saturday because yeah. there, there's a, a sacredness to this uncertainty and this absence and this loss. And honestly, that's what I've been feeling lately. You know, so the question for today was like, you know, what if you're feeling totally, totally, completely devastated? You know, what I'm really feeling is like a loss and absence and uncertainty and the resolution hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know what that resolution is going to be like, but I know it comes on Easter Sunday and (laughs) we haven't gotten there yet. Um, And, you know, as I've reflected back on, you know, know, why was I sobbing in my office? It was a grief response. I, I was feeling loss. Absolutely. And, and, and it's okay to feel that. And that, that's like a holy thing. Um, 
it's sacred space. Yeah, but it but I also don't want to be in a place where I'm like, oh well, my my feelings aren't valid because they're going to be fixed soon. Like no, they 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 do matter, and there, there's a sacredness in this, and there's a sacredness in, in pausing on this Saturday to really feel and experience those feelings. As I was, thanks. That's that's gorgeous. The way that both of our thoughts tied in together, and also to Easter tomorrow. <laughs> that's that's something else. Um, but I remember distinctly as I was, you know, looking at this image and thinking about this, I was like, what day am I on? Because if it's day three, I think I can do it. I think I can hold on. But if it's day one, Mm -hmm. how, you know, like figuratively, like how am I supposed to wait for this resurrection that I don't, I don't know what that will look like. That's just like this, this hope in me, this, this hope that somehow, this conflict that me and so many people are experiencing will be resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, like how long will the grief last? Yeah. And can I stick around? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll, I'm here with you the whole way. Yeah. And I know you're, you're here with me and sometimes yeah. God will send you to my office when I need you. <laughs> and I'm still here. And, and you know, it, it is interesting that like a lot of what I was grieving about, at least situationally, was solved a couple of weeks later through prayer and figuring out like, you know, truthfulness and awkwardness and courage mm-hmm. and just giving myself grace. Yeah. Um, but again, that's just kind of in a way, just moving away from that center conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and the center conflict is hard and that's what so many people are feeling. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, what, what what's really helped me press forward is, you know, that, that time we went to the temple and I remember, going to church that Sunday and sometimes church is just boring, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, for some reason, I just like really wanted to take the sacrament that day. I was like, I want, like, I really mean it today. You know, those days when you like take the sacrament, you mean it. Yeah. <laughs> like I really meant it that day. Like you're drinking from the well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was like the best Sunday. Even elders quorum was interesting. <laughs> what <laughs> i know how could that be um and i was just like this is where i want to be like this is the community i want to be a part of well in a way I, th- that makes total sense though because when you're in that space of um hopelessness without resolution what provides the hope is jesus christ mm-hmm. like like the resurrection is christ and christ's power and so it's not going to like as much as it helps for me to come to your office and help and as much as it helps for like a situation to change, like the power of resurrection that's going to heal that those three days of darkness mm-hmm. is Jesus Christ. And so that's just an, another really beautiful symbolism of like taking the sacrament and like taking Christ's name upon you gave you more life, yeah. gave you more hope. Yeah, 100 percent. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Wow, the gospel is so true. It really is. I love it. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's like complex, but so simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, can I talk about something else that's been going on in my life? Yeah. So please. I know we talk about like LGBTQ stuff and queer issues and all that. Um, but that's like not all that's going on in my life. Like I have like, a, I have like a full <laughs> life that has other things in it. Um, and things with my parents are not good. It's been really bad lately. And, um, you know, people who know me or like follow me on social media will know that, like my mom was moved to assisted living because she has Alzheimer's um, last February. So it's been a little over a year. And it was going well for a while, and now it's not going well. 
and um and she has just been like her brain is mush and she's been doing all kinds like she's been really belligerent and like hitting people which is like not my mom at all and when family goes to visit her she's just like really kind and compliant but to the worker she's been really bad and it's just like well what do we do like how do we fix this and there's like no solution and i talk to my dad every day and you know my dad's a typical dad you know i've i've seen him cry a few times in my life uh but now he cries multiple times a week uh when i talk to him on the phone and i just um it's weird that i like know the sound of my dad crying like that wasn't a sound i thought i'd be used to yeah um but it's just been like so terrible for the family like like this loss of my mom but just like that she's like being lost in such a terrible way um, she's like still there but not yeah and, and one of the things i try and do is i, I like I try and like put myself into future situations, like prepare myself for them. And just mm-hmm. this morning I was mowing my lawn and I often talk about like um, how relieved I'll be when my mom dies because it would just be easier on everyone if she would just die. And so as I was mowing the lawn this morning, I was just like thinking about like what it'll be like to get that phone call that my mom died. Like, will I feel relief? And I just started crying mowing the lawn. Of course Because um, I mean, she's already kind of gone, but she's not. And it's just like so complex. And, um, I, I think I told you this, but like, this was like seven or eight months ago, sometime in the fall, I just like really needed to talk to my mom. Like I was just like having a super bad day. I just like needed to talk to my mom, but she doesn't have a phone. Like I couldn't call her. She wouldn't get it anyway. And then, then your mom messaged me on Instagram randomly. And like, we'd never talked on Instagram before. And she's like, if you ever need to chat, let me know. And so I called her that day and I just like needed a mom pep talk. And Kathy Bird gave that to me. <laughs> And it was just like so and, and she cried and I cried and and I just like needed a mom. And it's just like really hard right now not to have a mom. And you know, that's why it was like so special when Charlotte was like, Ben, will you get married at my house? because uh, that's exactly the kind of thing my mom would have said. Um and I just like know that like she would love my life right now. Like she would love all these firesides, she would love to come to them, she would just like rant about my book and talk to everyone about it. She has no idea. Like no idea that any of this is happening. And and that just sucks. You know, it just like sucks. And so, you know, that's one of the other things that's been like completely and totally devastating. Just like losing my mom, but in like such a long, drawn out, like horrific way. And, you know, I've just, and as I've thought about this and like prayed about it a ton, I'm just like, why? Like, why is this so terrible? Like, why is my, my mom was like the best person on the planet? Like, why can't this just be an easier passing? And I don't know. I don't know. But there's something in it. And I'm, I'm trying to, like, give my will over to God and, like, try and just, like, learn and grow from the, the experience. But also just, like, feels, like, so unfair. And sometimes I get really mad about that, too. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing uh, to say no, except sorry. To say, yeah. um, I'm sorry that there's so much pain in your life right now. Yeah, it's hard. And, you know, just like, I just want my dad's life to be easier. You know, like my parents really are like the very best people. Like, I know people say they have the best parents, and but I actually do. You know? <laughs> no, they're just like so selfless and kind. And, you know, my parents are both converts. And so they were going to serve all these missions when they were retired. And because they didn't get to do that when they were younger. And they don't get to now either. Yeah. It's just like. All, it's just like so many dreams unfulfilled, you know, and like so many just like righteous dreams. Like, why can't these like good things just happen? You know, that like good people want to do good things, but I don't think they get to. And I know, I know we often do, but, um, you know, there's just 
things I've been wrestling with. Yeah. And it just seems like there's like multiple areas in your life where they just kind of like burst through any walls or emotional distance. And you've just been like living at the heart. What have you learned about yourself? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the worst question, but I don't know. Do you know yeah, what I'm going yeah, for? Yeah. There, there's this, there's this poem that I quote in my book that Carolyn Pearson wrote. And uh, I just really love it. And it's, it takes, takes in the image of a candle and it, and it says, I dim, I dim, I have no doubt. If someone blew, I would go out. And the second, the second stanza says, I did not. I must be brighter than I thought. And that's how I feel. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm being crushed, but I'm brighter than I thought. And I, I quoted that to my dad and um, talking to him on the phone last week. And he, because he always just says, I just can't take one more thing. I haven't gotten permission from my dad to share these stories. I should ask him. <laughs> um, but I, I quoted that to him and he just cried. He just said, thank you. Because he always says, I just can't take one more thing. Like, I just can't take one more thing. This is all too much. I just can't take one more thing. And I was like, dad, you're brighter than you think. Mm-hmm. And he said, thank you. I needed to hear that. And so I, I just feel like, like, I'm, like I'm brighter than I thought. And the people who have come out of the woodwork to like be so kind to me um, has really been marvelous as well. Like the, the, the pain has been, has been coupled with like joy and also seeing like the, the fruit of my life. Yeah. And it makes me not feel sad for how my life is, but just gratitude for how my life is. Yeah. That sounds pretty remarkable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Charlie, you never told us why you cried in your office. Oh, yeah. So I actually still don't know. Oh. I have a theory. So I, I've i been feeling just like pretty numbed out lately, to be honest. Um, and I think it's just because it is so hard to feel everything. And so I just kind of like have been building emotional walls but it was interesting like after general conference a lot of people were like checking in like hey just like I love you just so you know and and I was just like I don't feel anything I didn't feel anything through it I don't feel anything now um and so I um last week everything's been winding down like I finished I I went to nationals yeah which was amazing yeah it was awesome and um like like Everything closed for me basically yesterday, right? I finished all my assignments, my finals. I like finished my therapy hours right in the nick of time. <laughs> and you like have to do this with number like, of hours. Yeah, you like, can't I graduate. had to get 1,050. <laughs> and on the last hour possible, I hit the 1,050. Oh my gosh, hour. that would have stressed me out so yeah. much. And um, um, yeah, just like a lot of chapters are ending right now. And I've just been like plowing through because I took so much on my plate and like, I, I took a lot on at the beginning of this this program and then like Ryan was introduced into my life and then that added like so much more than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had to like buckle down and move through it. You know, I, I'll talk to students all the time. Like, I see Charlie walking across campus. He's always on the phone. <laughs> yeah. That's the only time he has to talk when he's walking somewhere. Yeah, like I'm trying to like say, hi, mom, I love you <laughs> and I gotta go. Um, but the other day, like I, I was in my office and I... Um, had a client scheduled, but they, um, they sent me an email. They're like, Hey, like busy week. I can't make it in. And so I just had the free hour and I just like, it it was like all of it just burst through in my 
emotions realized that I could feel them for a little bit. And I just, (laughs) it's kind of embarrassing. I just like, I like laid on the floor and like was like curled up and I cried and then I fell asleep on the floor and then I woke up and it was like halfway through my lunch hour and I was like, I guess I should go eat. (laughs) But um, yeah, it was just like everything that was building up. I don't think it's released yet, but like for a little bit it did. Um, And now I honestly, I just kind of feel numb again, but kind of letting yourself feel your feelings for a while. See what happens on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you're just kind of in survival mode in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, I just kind of, I've had to be in order to, to function. I've had to be in survival mode. And, um, you know, now that I'm graduated, I'm not under the same um, rules and regulations. And I'm going to be dating someone. And a lot of, like, I'm going to move back into that space, you know. Um, and I don't, there's just a lot to figure out right now. And it's like kind of a turning point, I guess. Yeah. Can I share a story? Yeah. So um, when Mark was here, so Charlotte and I uh, will read the scriptures and then I'll write my journal up at the kitchen table. And because I would always write my journal, Charlotte was like, maybe I should write my journal. So she picked out this old journal, like from the 70s and like just started writing it again. She's so cute. She's amazing. (laughs) So one night, you know, I'm sitting there writing my journal and and Mark is sitting there and, and she just like found this old entry and it was from June 1978. And she had written about the the, the priesthood um, the priesthood revelation. Oh wow! And so she just she just like out of nowhere she just like pulls us out and she like reads this short entry to us. And it was like the cutest entry. And I asked her if I could take a picture of it so like it won't be lost. What does it say? Um, so she just tells about like like hearing the news, like wanting to tell her husband so bad. And uh, at the time they were building this house, and so she drives over to the the construction site, and he had just like gone to go get something, and then then he comes back and pulls up in the truck, and she says, "If you could have anything today, what would you want? Like, what could be the best news?" And he said that Russia would let in our missionaries, and then she said, "Anything else? Any second guesses?" And then she said that he an- that he answered in a "Okay, I'll play with this game with you" sort of way, and he said uh, that blacks could receive the priesthood. And then she said, you got it. And just Monday night, I was reviewing that because she let me take a picture of it. And, you know, I don't usually take a lot of time to slow down. Like writing my journal is the only time I usually do that. And so I was like reading, like rereading this. And and we have like a beautiful living room here. And I just like went and sat in the living room in the dark and just like thought all my thoughts for like an hour. And I just like felt this like immense love of God, just like love of God. And I just love the way that Charlotte wrote, you know, what's the best thing you could, you could ask for. And then that him, him saying, and then her saying, you got it. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't know what the resolution is going to be, but you know, someday we're all going to have a, a sweet woman say to us, you got that thing you wanted. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's what I have to say about that. It's <laughs> pretty that's yeah. powerful. And, uh, and like I said, I don't know what the resolution is going to be, but, but we'll, we'll get a resolution. We're going to get it. Tomorrow's Mm -hmm. Easter. Yeah. It literally is. Happy Easter, Ben. (laughs) Thanks, Charlie. (laughs) Happy Christmas. (laughs) Hi. Anything else you want to say? I love you. Thanks for doing this. I love you too. And one thing I want to say is I know that this, like my talking about all this today and you're talking about this is going to make nobody happy. You know, I know that, that people are going to be upset that like 
how dare be why you do this to Ben? Like, he should just be able to live his life. And other people would be like, Ben, just stay on the covenant path and be good. Like, why are you worrying about this? And, and, and I just like, I don't want to do it the outro today. I just want to say like, thank you to the people who let me be in my space. It's like, let me be me and don't try and tell me what to do with my life, but just like live my life with me. And I know people are going to be upset about this and, and you're welcome to be upset about it. And I'm just really grateful to the people who will just be, want to walk with me. So I love that. Yeah. Thanks. And that's the end. Amen. (laughs) 